So I'm doing a two-part series, but you can't see the title of right there. It's cut off. Oh. Hope. It's not hope. Uh, in your in your notes, you can see it. Uh, the title of the series is Amazing Grace, and tonight we're going to be looking at Sinners Without Hope. So you guys can turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2. And we're going to be looking at, tonight we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 3, but this series is going to go through verses 1 through 10. So I'll read the all 10 verses tonight, and then we'll be focusing on the first three verses. Ephesians chapter 2. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Let me pray for us before we get started. Dear Heavenly Father, Gracious Lord, we come before you tonight seeking you. Help us to worship you through this passage. I pray that this would impact us, that as we as we hear your word about the state we are in apart from Christ, that we would be humbled, that we would seek to uh, love you, that we would seek your face. And just, followers, thank you for just being a gracious God. Thank you that you are a good God to us, that you love us. Let's pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I have not used this before. It's bad because I might forget to do it. And now also I have to actually stick to my notes. So I will try to use this. Uh, it works. There we go. Okay. Uh, so this, so tonight, this is going to be a little bit of a heavier message. It's as those first three verses that we read. It's talking about our sin. Um, so a little bit heavier message. Um, in a world uh, that tells us how how great we are, that tells us follow your heart to. Listen to yourself. It's helpful sometimes to come to a passage like this and to look into a mirror and say, see, what does God say about me? What does God say about my perspective, about my state before him? And so it's, it's good to come to passages like this where they deal with sin, where they show 
how wicked we are. And if I asked, like, most people in this world, most people in this room, if I asked you, like, are you a good person? Most people would probably say, oh, yeah, I'm pretty good. I mean, I, I don't do horrible things. I don't go out and kill people, so I'm not, I'm not that bad. Um, but the, the truth about us is we're not good, right? Before God, we are wicked. We have uh, wicked hearts. And if we truly took the time to look into our hearts and see, like, who, are, who am I really? Like, what is my heart really like? And you can start to see the, the depths of the sin in your heart, the depths of the wickedness that we each have in our hearts, believer or not believer. We we're, all we're still have sin inside of us. And we need to take some time every once in a while to, to see that sin in our lives. If you are saved uh, tonight, then I hope that this, this passage is going to be uh, helpful for you in, in worshiping Christ. That you you see what you've been saved from. That you, you see how much Christ has done for you. What has, what his sacrifice means for you. Uh, and I hope that that helps you just have a deeper sense of awe of him and praise him more. And then if you're if you're not a believer, then this passage is, is also very helpful for you. And I I pray that you would see the depths of your sin, that you would see that you are without hope. Without Christ, there is no hope, and that you would see that, and that you would take some time, take some time tonight to really think about that, be prayerful about it, you're standing before God, and that you would, you would find Jesus. This passage right here, these, these ten verses, not just these three in particular, but the whole, this whole passage, verses one through ten, has been my favorite passage for a long time now. It's a, it's a very comforting passage to me. And it's a very uh, gospel-rich passage. It just really shows the overarching uh, gospel picture. It shows God, man, uh, and Christ, and then our response. Really, that's when I when I talk about the gospel, people, I think I share the gospel. Those are the four words used. God, man, Christ, response. And this passage very clearly lays, lays that out. Um, and so, for the first part, we're going to be doing God and man, really. Um, I'm not going to go into each of those, but you'll see. You'll see elements of that uh, throughout. So, these first three verses is what we're focusing on tonight. Sinners without hope. I'm going to read, the, read this, these three verses uh, as we go throughout this passage. The first section is the sinner's state. Sorry, I do not have long things like Luke has. Uh, very basic, basic stuff up there. Uh, so the sinner's state. This is the full thing, verses 1 through 3. Um, and so what we're going to be going through, as we go through this passage, we're going to be going through, what is our standing before God? What is our state? Apart from Christ, that's what this passage is. It's, it says, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. And so 
really this passage is talking to believers. This, this, this letter is written to the church in Ephesus. And so this passage is really talking to believers, saying, as believers, you once were like this. And this is, apart from Christ, this is who you are. First thing is dead in the trespasses and sins. So our state is dead. That's where it starts off. The state without Christ is you are dead. This is something that's talked a lot about in our circles at church and uh, in youth group, and it's, that's good. It's good that we remind ourselves that without Christ, we're dead. That's why this passage starts off. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. The Bible talks a lot about this. Um, um, we know from Romans... Uh, Luke went over that recently. Uh, it's probably been a while now. Uh, Mr. Deadman, right? Uh, some of you guys probably were here for the beginning of Romans. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, Mr. Deadman, right? He's dead. Can't do anything. If there's somebody who's dead, they can't move, they can't talk, they can't walk. There's nothing you can do to save yourself from your sin. And... We deserve, we deserve hell, and that's, that's our standing. We're on a track to hell apart from Christ. And there's nothing within ourselves that we can do to ever change that. No amount of good works we could do, no amount of being a good person uh, could ever change that. People so often just say, oh, I'm such a good person. Like, I, I know God will, God will see that. Maybe they don't follow, aren't following Christ, but they believe in a God or believe God's possibility and people say things like yeah i think i'm generally good god will, god will see that in me i maybe haven't done everything but my good outweighs my bad but that's not how it works with sin that's not how it works with god we're, we're dead we can't do anything our, our works good works are seeing as filthy rags it's like just spitting in his face in god's face it doesn't does not do anything apart from christ even if you're trying to help the little old lady across the street, it's, it's nice, good job, but I mean, if, if you're not doing that for Christ, then you're doing it for selfish motives or uh, so that people can see how good you are. And we're, we're born into this world dead. Uh, I have two little boys. I have a third one on the way. And they're cute and nice, uh, but... They are sinners. You can see that from an early age. You know, they start crying and uh, demanding things and uh, hitting each other on the head. and uh, Not good. It doesn't matter like how good they are. My oldest son is way more empathetic than I am. He's, he's, he's a, a very good empathy gene. But he'll do, like, he'll see an ambulance pass by. And they're like, oh, Daddy, we should, we should pray for the, the people in the ambulance. Like he's, like he's tearing up, like, oh, somebody's hurt. Or he sees, like, a dead deer on the side of the road. They're like, oh, we should pray for the fawns, for the deer. Uh, and then the, the next couple of weeks, we're just praying for the dead deer. Uh, very empathetic. Uh, very good. But that doesn't matter, right? He, he's bound for help. He's on the path for help. It doesn't matter how good of a heart it may seem like he has. His heart's wicked. And, he, and he's, he's going on the path to hell. Unless God does something to rescue him. 
to change his heart. Like that, that's who we are. We may see, think that we're good. We may think that we are kind to others and love others, but we're really dead. We, we don't even recognize it sometimes, how, how wicked we are. And it's, it's not about being a, a good person. You, know, you're, you hear that so often, oh, I'm a good person. I, as long as I'm just good to other people, it's, it's not about being good. It's about worshiping a God who is good. That, that's what matters. He's the one who's good. Like, it doesn't matter how good I can try to be. I'm, I'm just trying to serve him. He's the one who is good. And he's the one who's, whose life matters. Like I am stuck dead in my sin without him. He's the only one who can change me, change you, make you alive, and work good inside of you. <clears throat> Next part in this passage is his followers. See in verse 2, it says, Following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying the desires of the body and the mind, or by nature of children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. Uh, so, Followers, everyone's a follower, right? We're all following something. We're all, we're all following some uh, influencer or Instagram person, whatever people follow nowadays on social media. You know, everybody's following somebody. You know, you have followers, you're following somebody. And you also you have people around you in your life who you're looking up to. Maybe it's an athlete or somebody at church or somebody... Uh, important in your life that you're looking up to and other people looking up to you. Everybody's a follower. It just matters what are you a follower of. And, and this passage breaks it out into in two, two categories. It says the world or Satan. And then there's also God. Um, it's, it's the counter to that. The world and Satan. There is not a sub-point for that one. Okay. Of the world. Followers of the world. So followers of the world. This one's an easy one to see. It's right in front of us, all around us. It's easy, but at the same time, it's also we're blinded to it because we're so accustomed to things in this world. Our culture is becoming more and more worldly every day. It becomes further away from Christ further away from what God has for us to do in the, in the word. And everything you see is about me. It's all the culture is about me. What can I get? Like, I got to fight for me. Nobody else is going to fight for you. You got to fight for yourself. Like, you're the most important thing. You just got to like, look out for number one. Uh, follow your own heart. All these things. And you got to look hard to find people talking about the true God in the world. It's it's not really out there. Sometimes we'll mention like, oh, God. Uh, this, is, this is for God. Or a lot of athletes will say stuff like that. Like, oh, yeah, God, he's number one. But if you dig deeper, then they don't actually live like it. They don't actually follow God, the true God. It's just another thing they can say to, to look good. 
But if you, go to, if you go to school and politics, social media, all of that is trying to drag you away from earlier matters. The world is trying to drag you down. And that's, our, apart from Christ, that's just, the world is going away from him. They're all, they're all slaves of the creation rather than the creator, which is a crazy thing to think about. Everybody's trying to worship the creation. Everybody's trying to worship these these public figures who are set in place, or you have uh, pop, pop people being popular and trying to worship them, or people worshiping, uh, working out, or whatever it is, some part of creation. Uh, and it's, it's so silly if you think about it, just worshiping something and then just forgetting, oh yeah, somebody made that. Like, it's not just there. Like, a lot of these things are good things. Uh, well, sometimes people worship the outdoors. They worship Mother Nature or whatever. You know, nature's not just a thing. It's not just, it's, God made that. God put that there so, to reflect his glory. And we can use a lot of things in the world to worship him. We twist them. Our sin takes them, twists them, and makes it into something wicked. That's just, apart from Christ, that's what our hearts do. Our hearts seek to twist things to benefit us, to twist things so that we can run from Christ. The very thing that he made, we just use to uh, sin against him a lot of times. That, that's a, a struggle we have to do, we have to deal with. And even as a believer, right, this is, this is a big stumbling block a lot of times. we got to check our hearts, check our motives. Uh, the things that I'm going about in my daily life, am I, am I doing them for Christ or am I doing them for myself? I have to check myself a lot. Just like, I just get, go on autopilot. When you go on autopilot, you're just like going down the road of life. Then you just like, you just start forgetting, oh, I'm supposed to be acknowledging Christ in everything I do. I'm supposed to be giving him the glory. I'm supposed to seeking his counsel, his approval. I'm supposed to be uh, worshiping him with everything that I have. A lot of times we just, without even realizing it, we're just doing things for ourselves. It may be the same good things. Maybe it's coming to youth group, becoming a youth group. But you're not here prayerful about it, thinking, how can I serve God in this moment? How can I worship him while I'm here at youth group? Maybe just coming. And that's not good. You're, you're, you're still falling prey to your own selfish desires. Maybe it's school or, or family life. If you're not acknowledging God, if you're not seeking to honor him and glorify him in those things, then it's your sin is taking over. The world has influenced you, and, and you're just doing what you're doing. Or maybe you don't recognize that you're doing it for yourself, but that, that's the bottom line. If you're not actively seeking to serve Christ, then you're serving somebody. You're, you're, you're glorifying somebody. Uh we need to remind ourselves of that. The, the culture can be a big stumbling block just because how often it tells us we got to go out and uh, look out for number one. And it's, it's hard. So I, I encourage you guys to, to examine, examine your life. Are, how are you living in this world? Are you a light to this world? Are you salt in this world? Or are you just coasting through just Seeking to, to accomplish your own goals, own dreams. If 
you're not recognizing Christ, if you're not seeking Christ's glory, then it's, it's all for nothing. The second thing we see here is followers of Satan. And this is, this one's harder to see in our lives sometimes. There's not that many Satan worshipers out there. It's, uh, there's some, there's some cults that are Satan worshipers. But a lot of times, if you ask just an unbeliever, hey, do you worship Satan? And I was like, nope. Uh, nope. Not many people are going to admit to that. Uh, but ultimately, though, the Bible says right here, like you're following the prince of the power of the air. Um the spirit that is now working the sons of disobedience. That, that's, that's the devil, that's Satan. And that's ultimately who you're following if you're not following Christ. And whether, whether you admit it or not, that's, you're, you're rejecting Christ, you're accepting Satan. You're, you're following after the, the devil. That's a, that's a scary thought, right? Sometimes a lot of people think we're just like, oh, I'm, yeah, I'm not choosing Jesus, but I'm not choosing evil either. I'm just, I'm just doing what I'm doing. I'm just going through my life. I'm just trying to be a generally good person. And just, and just yeah, not that bad. But you can't just reject Christ without accepting something else. You have to follow something. And that's Christ or, or Satan. And... It's just important to realize just how how weighty that is. Like you're you're following a, a fallen, wicked creature that is going is out only for your your bad. It's just crazy to think. Like you you like if you're following Satan, you're following somebody who wants you to to fall, who wants you to fail, wants you to like it, it's it's crazy. But that that's that's what we do. Apart from Christ, we just naturally go that way. We don't know any, know any different. Children of wrath. Says we're by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. So this last progression has been, it's the most vivid for me. Children of wrath. I mean, it says we're, we're dead. Because we're following the course of this world. Following Satan. We lived in the passions of our flesh. We carried out the desires of the body and the mind. Last one, by nature, children of wrath. That one uh, is vivid for me. It's, it's a big one. That's without Christ. Like, we're not good. We're not generally good people. Without Christ, we're children of wrath. Wrathful children. Enemies of God. Haters of God. Uh, when I was a kid, I didn't struggle with anger, but I struggled with uh, white hot wrath. Uh, I would get to the point where I couldn't see. Uh, literally, I would see red. It was just blurry red. I could not see any of my surroundings. I was couldn't think straight. I was just white hot wrath uh, was in my mind. 
and I struggled with it. Uh, it was scary for me. Uh, thankfully, I didn't do anything too crazy, but it's in my mind is just I would have moments of just wrath. And so this 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 picture is is vivid for, vivid for me. I just remember as a kid, just like praying to God and asking Him to just remove this struggle from me. Um, that was I was actually a believer at the time, um, but I just prayed to God to ask ask Him just remove this struggle from me that this wouldn't be something I, I would struggle with because um, it's it's horrible and wicked and, and wrath is just a, a very strong term. Uh, but yeah, I, I struggle with it, and uh, this is something. That as unbelievers, it's it's what God describes you as, apart from Christ, children of wrath. And not everybody here struggles with wrath, maybe, uh, with anger. Uh, Even unbelievers, a lot of people can be nice and not not really struggle with anger. So it's not necessarily meaning that you're always wrathful if you're an unbeliever. But it means that you, you have a deep and serious sin inside you that is very vivid, very real, and it's wicked. It's not just this, oh, you, you have some things that are wrong with you. You're not entirely perfect. No, it's, it's you're bad. You're, you're wicked. You're a child of wrath. And it's, it's not just you messed up. It's you're a child of wrath. And... This is this is something that it's not only just a child of of wrath. It's also just a um, you're destined for wrath. It's not just you struggle with wrath. You're you're destined for wrath. You're destined for an eternity in hell. That's that's the picture that the Bible describes, and it's it's a it's a vivid one, and it's something that that we need to, to recognize that sin isn't something we messed around with. Sin isn't something that's, I just messed up. It's, it's not just, whoops, my bad. It's, it, it's an affront to a holy God. And that's the, that's the next, oh, there we go. That's the next section here is the sinner's, the sinner's merit. Um, we looked at our, the sin in, in this passage, and I want to talk about our our holy God. So, what we deserve from this, um, to, to truly understand what we deserve from this, we need to understand who God is, right? He's he's a holy God. He is someone who is good, um, but he's he's holy. He is somebody who doesn't mess around with sin. He's the... Let's see if all these points are up here. Nope. <laughs> He's the creator. Uh, so for the creator, uh, God created this world and everything in it. We know that. And it's important uh, to mention that he's a creator because that makes him in charge, right? You make these... Uh, Creatures out of Play-Doh. My kids make little dinosaurs out of Play-Doh. If you make a little dinosaur out of Play-Doh, 
uh, it's yours, no matter how hideous it is. Um, and and that, that, that little thing has no right to say, why did you make me like this? Uh, right? There's, there's no, Plato has no right to say that. Uh, in the same way, we have no right to talk back to God and say, I mean, you did good here, but I, I'm going to change some things. I mean, like, yeah, do, you don't, do you really want us to uh, not lie? I mean, come on. Like, some, some lies are okay, right? Uh, like, we have no, no right to talk back to God. He's, he's the creator. He's the one who's in charge. And the, the earth is his. And he's also a holy God. He is set apart, sinless, perfect. He's not like us. He's totally different than us. There's, there's some qualities we share with God, but he is also otherworldly. We can't fully comprehend him. He is far more than we could ever imagine. He's not even tainted in the slightest bit by sin. And so when, when we, we see our, our sin, we need to see God, who he is. He's not someone who's going who's gonna to mess around with sin, right? This is the creator and author of our life, the person who keeps us together, holds our lives in his hands. And our sin is an atrocity against him. It's, it's something he views as very serious. He's a, a just God. There has, has to be a punishment for sin. He's not, he's not going to be like... A passive God who's just going to let sin slide. It's, there has to be a consequence for every sin that happens. Somebody's going to pay for it. It's either us or it's, or it's Christ on the cross. We took it for ourselves. And it's not, you can't just let a sin slide. Uh, God views sin uh, very seriously. If you if you look up, oh, there's different words for sin in the Greek, but the 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 word for for sin in this passage uh, is describing something. You take a bow and arrow, and you're aiming at a target, not K. You're aiming at a target, and then you just miss. Uh, you miss the target. Fell, the arrow fell short. Missed. Uh, that's a that's a good picture, um, but. If you, if you look at this passage, if you look at Scripture entirety, in its entirety, I think it's, it's even a step further than that. It's not just like, I just missed. It's like, I take, took that arrow, I deliberately aimed it at God, and fired it. Like, I hated God. Like, it's not just like, oh, whoops, oh well, I'll try again tomorrow. Uh, it's not you, you either consciously or unconsciously you, you shot an arrow at God you hated him uh, you chose to disobey him either knowingly or unknowingly we, we sinned against him in a horrendous way like it's, it's not just yeah, my bad it's, it's a serious thing sin is a very serious thing and, and you see time and time again where Sin is treated very seriously. The, the snippet Jason did, that's a very vivid picture of Israel treating sin seriously. 
If you look in the Old Testament, God treats sin very seriously in, in the uh, Pentateuch, especially the first five books of the Bible. You just see earth swallowing people up because they sinned, or uh, big consequences happening, whole families getting getting killed and uh, because of sin, because it's it's a very serious thing. And that in that passage, Israel did right. They actually. Uh, took it to heart, God's word to heart, and they said, this sin is serious and we got to take care of it. Uh, there was a big battle after that, and was, uh, a lot of people died. But sin was, yeah, sin was, is a very serious thing to God. And I think uh, a lot of times we don't read the Old Testament as much as the New Testament, but read the Old Testament. It's part of Scripture. It's a very, very good uh, a section of scripture for many reasons, but one of them is just to see how holy God is. If you read through Leviticus, I know people, you're, you're reading through the Bible in a year, start petering out in, in Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy. Um, but very good books to see how serious God takes sin, how holy he is, how separate he is. You see it. Leviticus, all the law, different laws, he has different steps to keep the people of Israel holy, to keep them uh, to following from, uh, from falling away from God. And we need to be reminded of that. They, they had so many different laws so that they could remind themselves of that daily. And we need to be reminding ourselves of that daily. God treats sin very seriously. It's, it's a very serious matter to, to sin against a holy God. And everyone, um, we all need to remember that he is a a holy God. A lot of times we can focus more on his more easy or presentable attributes to the society around us. Uh, uh, Like, God is good. God is love. But he is so much more than that, right? He's a very complex God. He has so many aspects of his nature. And there's holiness. And there's justice. There's wrath. There's all these things. And it's not just uh, all butterflies and rainbows and everything's good. There is a, a very serious aspect of it. And we have to recognize this uh, to see how much we've been saved from, one. And then also just to see how, like, we actually do need to be saved. Like, if if there is no recognition of a holy God, if there is no recognition of, I am a wicked sinner, I am horrible, and there's no need to change, there is no need to be saved. What what are you even saved from? Uh, Like, if you don't really see how bad you are, as bad as um, it is to look at your sin, I know. It's not fun looking at your sin. Uh, but as hard as it is to look at your sin, like, you got to. You have to see how wicked you are in your life. Otherwise, you're never going to reach out to God. As a believer, you still got to look at your sin because yeah, you, you won't be thankful. If, if you, the deeper you see your sin, the deeper you see how much God hates the sin inside of you, and the deeper your love is going to be for Christ. You're just going to abound in your love for him. You see, like, man, 
God is so good. He's so good to me. We don't deserve it. Everyone uh, is born with and has earned eternal damnation in hell. Hey, I got a long one there. (laughs) Everyone is born with and has earned eternal damnation in hell. God is a just God, right? He's, He's just. You, you don't want a, a God who's wishy-washy. You want a God who, who's going to punish the guilty. You know, we often, often cry to God to punish those who've wronged us, or to give us justice. Uh, well, that goes for us, too. Uh, we need things to give us justice, too. Um, but he must punish the guilty. Because Adam and Eve, our representatives, were have sinned, and we're all born into that sin. And not only we're born into it, like my kids, but they we choose it. We actively choose to sin against God, and we actively uh, hate God on a, on a daily basis. We sin. I've, I know some people believe that you can attain sinlessness in this life as a believer. I don't know what they're on, but that as, I, I don't know a day that I've gone without sinning. I, I, I can point to you every day, and it's not every day, it's like, it's like every hour, maybe every minute, I have, I have some sinful thought, I have some sinful motive that I can directly point to. And it's, it's, yeah, it's not just... I sin at once. We actively are choosing to sin every day. Um, thank God for grace. Um, but yeah, we're we're wicked and we're evil, and and we've uh, earned ourselves a spot in hell. A lot of times, people think like their works are going to earn them something good. Uh, if I do enough good stuff, right, then I'm going to earn a spot in heaven. Or if I uh, yeah, I'm just a generally good person, but yeah, we're we're earning something apart from Christ, and it's uh, it's hell. That's what we've we've earned. And there's there's absolutely no way to to pay for our, our sin on our own. There's no amount of good you can do, no amount of uh, righteous deeds you can do to ever please God. Right? He's not he's not going to be appeased by our filthy rags. He's not going to be appeased by these different good things that we could try to do. There's, it's not, there's nothing we can do. And we need to recognize that Christ alone is the path to salvation. He's the only one who can save us because he lived a perfect and sinless life. He's the only one who fully kept the law, who was fully good because he's holy and good and there's, there's nothing that we can do on our own. So without, without Christ, we're sinners without hope. Uh, lost, nothing, 
to do. Uh, can't leave it here, though. Oh. But God! Um, this passage is, is broken out into three parts. There's the, there's the first three verses, and then it breaks out to other sections, but you can't just leave it at, uh, at we're horrible and we're nothing without hope. So, bleeding into the next section, but God, uh, these, we'll wrap up here, um, these two words, this will be our last section. This is uh, the best two words in the Bible, in my opinion, uh, but God. After you go through how horrible and wicked we are after seeing how much we deserve hell, how evil we are in our heart of hearts, how much we just crave after sin and, and desire wickedness. Right? It says, but God. You think that, like, it shouldn't end there. Obviously, we all know the Bible. We've been around the Bible, so we know. But you, logically, as you're reading through that, it's that, Yep, and God killed us all, and that was the end. Uh, that's what we deserve, right? We all deserve to go to hell, so why does he not just do it and get it over with? And, uh, but he's not just a God who is holy. He's not just a God who's uh, just. He's a God who's also gracious. He's that we serve a gracious God. And these two words right here just fill you with hope. And it's not just like, God just saw that and was like, moved on. Let's zap them, start a new creation. It, it's No, God saw how wicked you were. He looked into your heart and saw that you were a hater of God. He saw that you were dead. He saw that you were following uh, Satan, his enemy. He saw that, he, he saw that you were uh, a child of wrath. And then it says... But God, he enters in and he takes the time to care for us, to love us. That's just that's crazy to me that that is, that is the, the next two words after all of that. It's, but God, he enters into our lives and chooses to show grace to us. The, the emphasis of this night is, is, is more on, on the sin and the hopelessness apart from Christ, but the center of this passage and uh, entire passage and the entire scripture is on this, but God, on what Christ has done, what God has done for us. And it's, he always provides a way of escape. In, in sin, a lot of times it can seem overwhelming and you seem like you're just stuck in a pattern of sin. You're stuck in a lifestyle of sin, and there's, there's, there's no way out. Like, how can I ever change? How can I ever get out of this? God provides a way of escape. I'm no longer a child of wrath. I no longer struggle with, with wrath, thankfully. Um, and it's, and it's, it's free. It's, it's free when you, when you see how God can change your life, how God can take your sin. And so I encourage that when you guys you see your sin and you see how wicked you are, turn to God in it. God is, is strong.
stronger than your sin. You'll struggle with sin forever on this earth. On this earth. Um, but there is a way of escape. There is a gracious God who you can turn to and who can forgive you of your sin. It's, it's, you, have to, you have to go to Christ in this. You can't just stay in your sin. If you stay in your sin and, and choose to live that life, then hell is what awaits you. That is, that is the path that is coming. That's the destination. But in Christ, if we turn our hearts to Christ, if we see our sin, we see how wicked we are, if we see how bad we are, and we see Christ as glorious and beautiful and wonderful, and if we turn our hearts to him and repent, turn from our sin just, and accept his, his love and grace, then you get to live with him forever. And that's, that's a glorious like that, that glorious God who, who we sinned against and spat in his face. We get to be his sons and daughters. That's, that's crazy that he just welcomes us in like that after everything we've done. We get to, we get to serve him. I, I would encourage you, if you are an unbeliever here tonight, if you're questioning your salvation, just to, to think, about, think about your sin. Think about... Christ and what he has done and how you can and you can turn to him because the whole Bible is about this and it's just about Christ everything is about him and our, our lives need to be about him and as as believers we, just, we need to remember the cross like God has executed justice he's a just God he's a holy God I talked about earlier he executed that justice on Christ. Somebody had to pay, and that was Jesus. For every sin that you've committed, for every sin that I've committed, and every sin that we ever will commit, if we're believers, then that was fixed on Christ. He took that wrath that we deserved. That justice was meted out on Christ. And he bore the full weight of it. He exchanged... Uh, what we deserved. But now, now we get to live with him forever. And, and that, we hear that all the time, right? We hear it every every Sunday, every Wednesday. Uh, but don't let that ever grow old in your ears, what Christ has done for you. When you hear things like that, it can be easy to be like, oh, yeah, of course, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's why I'm here. I, I hear it all the time. Uh, but... I'm finding more and more often that we can grow numb to things around us. And we, we grow numb to the beauty of God's creation, like a sunset. Or we grow numb to the beauty of a storm that's going on. Uh, and we can grow numb to things like this, too. Like Just because we hear it all the time or see it all the time, it doesn't make it any less special. Like It, it should give us pause to to worship Christ. You see, you're seeing things going on. Have that ch- childlike faith. Have that childlike wonder of who God is. You, you see creation. Praise him. Like, you see something uh, like a sunset or a storm or you go to the ocean or something like that. And praise him. Take some time to just worship God. Like, Thank you, God, for being such an awesome God, for being good to us. And be able, allow us to be able to see all this and soak it in. And then when you hear things like this, 
about salvation and then praise him. They just they think back to when you were weren't saved, if you're if you're a believer, then think back to then and just like how wicked you were. Think about back to the last hour when you can remember some sin that you just committed. Uh, and just praise him and thank you, thank him for forgiving you of that sin, for being gracious to you. Like, we have so much to be thankful to God for. And he's saved us from so much in our lives. And we just we can just gloss over that sometimes. So I encourage you guys to, as you hear passages like this, you're like, okay, yeah, I, yeah, I see sin, I, I see God, yeah, he, he forgives us. But don't ever let that uh, fall on deaf ears. Don't ever let that just like go in one ear and out the other. Take time to praise God. That, that's why we're here. We're not here for our own agenda. We're not here for our own dreams and goals. Like we're, we're here to worship Christ. He's created us here to bring glory to him, to make much of him. And everything we do follow, has to fall in line with that. And just, just make sure that you, when you're lining out your future college plans, your, your future high school plans and everything in your life, that, that that's falling under Christ. You're being prayerful about that. That you're seeking to honor Christ, glorify Christ in all these things. And acknowledging him. Because he's, if you're a believer, he's saved you from so much. He's, he's blessed you with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And he's, he's just showered his grace upon you. And if, again, if, again, if you're not a believer, then that could be yours. That, that, that can be yours. That's a free gift. It's offered out. There's nothing you do to deserve it. You just repent. You just follow Christ. That's a free gift. All right. I'm going to take some time. Uh, or let's, let's take some time in silence. Uh, just prayer and silence. Um, if you're a believer, then, then praise God. Thank him. Uh, there's a gift in salvation and for saving you from who you were and if you're if you're an unbeliever then if you're questioning where you're at then just take some time to examine your examine your life examine your sin examine who Christ is and just think think about that and uh, pray about that I'll give you guys a, little, a minute or so here for that and I'll close this in prayer God, you are such a gracious God. 
We recognize our sin before you. We recognize the wickedness of our hearts, the wrath that we have stored up for ourselves in hell. And Father, thank you that you are a gracious God. Even though we deserve hell and eternity of, of suffering, you have provided hope. You provided a way of salvation. Lord, I thank you just for just for the grace you give to us in salvation and just everyday life. Just little, little graces you pour out on us. I thank you for, just, for being just so good to us. We don't deserve any of these extra graces and goodnesses you give to us. And just and yet we, we can forget to thank you for them, Lord. I pray that you would just help us to be people who are thankful people. That we would love you. That we would seek to serve you in all that we do. That our hearts and minds would be focused on Christ. That our lives would reflect your glory. That our beings would just be poured out for you and for your glory. Lord, I pray for those who are not saved in this room. I pray that you would stir their hearts, that they would seek to find you, that they would seek to uh, serve you, Lord. They would repent of their sin, their wicked ways, and that, that they would find grace and peace in your Son. Lord, I pray that you bless the rest of our night, that as we go from here, that this wouldn't just go in one one ear and out the other, but that we would remember you, acknowledge you in our ways, and that we would bring glory to you. Pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. All right. This guys out there, girls in here, discussion groups. Did you say? Yep.